Good evening and welcome to Plan Lehigh Valley, the WDIY program produced along with our friends at the Lehigh Valley Planning Commission. Once again, I would like to welcome Becky Bradley, the Executive Director of the Planning Commission, and Matt Assad, its Managing Director. Good evening, Becky and Matt. Good evening. Good evening. Tonight, we will be discussing the Commission's Planning for All campaign, or better maybe stated, a way of life which is the latest effort by the Planning Commission and the Lehigh Valley Transportation Study. The goal is to make sure everyone in an increasingly diverse region has access to all of their data, information, plans, and analysis. We're fortunate to have as our guest, Lehigh Valley Planning Commission Senior Community Planner, Jill Seitz, and Program Associate for Community Engagement, Hannah Malagio. Jill is a data and housing expert who has been with the LVPC since 2017. She's played a role in projects that include Future LV, the regional plan, authored one of the nation's first equity analyses and worked with the Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia to develop the housing and jobs market and attainability assessment for the Lehigh Valley. Hannah joined the LVPC in March of 2022. She's in charge of the LVPC's public engagement programs. She's an expert in forging and enhancing strong connections with the community and was instrumental in developing an extensive community engagement plan for the recently adopted $4.3 billion long-range transportation plan. Jill and Hannah are co-authors of the LVPC's draft public participation, and limited English proficiency plans. Both of those plans are now open for public comment. Welcome, Jill and Hannah. Thank you, Greg. Matt, we usually talk about the roads and bridges or housing plans or the latest population trends, but today it's a little different because we're talking about how people get access to all that information and analysis, right? That's right, Greg. Uh, we have updated our public participation and limited English proficiency plans. These are plans that map out the strategies, how we make things available to the public, the entire public. In fact, that's why we call it the Planning for All campaign. It's how we get all of our plans, data, and analysis to people in addition to how we hold public meetings. And to give you an idea how big that is, we hold more than 100 public meetings every year. So, so this is a big part of what we do. It would be easy to write these off as updates that are, you know, mundane and federal requirements. But as Hannah and Jill started to do the research, we realized that it was pretty interesting. For example, 5% of all people who live in Glendon speak French, Haitian, or Cajun. I don't know about you, but I find that fascinating. 5%? Yes, 5%. Yeah. Wow. I, I just find it fascinating that we have folks with so many different languages and dialect all over the Lehigh Valley. Uh, you know, what we learned is that our community is a lot more diverse than most people think, certainly a lot more diverse than I thought. So we figure we would share, uh, you know, some of these updates that we found. Becky, when I was reviewing some of the information, about a third of our population here in the Lehigh Valley are people who identify as people of color, correct? Correct. And for you, why is it important to let everybody into knowing all this information, so to speak? Yeah, well, I think what's really important is for people to realize how absolutely important it is to include everyone in a planning process. 
because it's foundational to where we're going to go and having as many people at the table as possible is critical to developing quality, accurate, intentional, and actionable public policy, which then turns into all sorts of investment, not just by the public sector, but by the private sector. So if we can really get as many people as possible to the table, then it's going to ensure that our outcomes are the best possible for everyone. Many times when people think about the Planning Commission, they think about, okay, so there's people talking about buildings and there's people talking about roads. But really, what you're doing is talking about a way of life, as uh, I may have uh, talked with a few of you folks earlier today. This is really more of a way of life, and people should get involved in these. It's just not people talking about the new building or the new road or the new sewer, right? Right. And I think what, what this really is, is it's a foundational process. So if your foundation is correct, then your policy and then your investments and all of those things that we talk about, the buildings and the infrastructure, are more likely to be correct and support as many people as possible. Because at the end of the day, what we're really trying to do is take the idea of the democratic process seriously. It's a foundational element of our nation, right? Sure. And so that means everyone. Democracy doesn't just mean for the few. It means for all. And so really that's where the idea of planning for all comes to the table. That no matter what, if you show up, you have a seat at the table. So we adopted a build a bigger table philosophy. Um, and that's ultimately when we did that. And we were really working on that uh, for a long time. But we really adopted it as policy of the Lehigh Valley Planning Commission when we were working on future LV, the regional plan in 2019. And Jill had been working on the equity analysis. It was really one of the first in, in the nation to look at equity regionally and where uh, we could do better. And you know, we had set it up as an opportunity for us to then track change over time, not only to inform our work, but to make sure that then what we were doing after that was consistent with all of our planning. So basically the simplest way to put it is we banned the steering committee. That's inherently exclusionary. And that's critical to our work is that, again, everyone can come and have a voice. That is the essence of the word public. And it is the fundamental philosophical and actionable component of the United States and the idea of us being a participatory democracy. So we wanted to kick it up a notch and really take that language seriously. And that's when we actually created a position that focuses specifically on how to engage people in the community and make sure that that occurred in a way that was able to involve everyone. And that's how we found Hannah. And Hannah, you authored the update to the public participation plan. Why do you think this was updated? Or why do you think this was needed? Sure. So a couple of reasons. Uh, number one, as, as Matt mentioned, it is a federally required document. So we need to update it periodically. 
But more than that, the last update was in 2017 and a lot has changed both, you know, in what our region looks like and who lives here and how many of us live here to how we engage with the public, right? There's been a pandemic since 2017 and we have virtual meetings and there are new partners that have popped up since then. And we wanted to make sure we're including those organizations and those tactics in our new PPP or public participation plan. Um, We also have a deep commitment, as Becky's mentioned, to equity in planning and equitable access to planning at the LVPC. It's part of our mission as an organization. It's deeply rooted in all of the work that we do. And we wanted to make sure that our public participation reflected that that commitment. Upon your review, Hannah, what are some of the key changes in, in the update? Sure. So key changes that I've kind of briefly mentioned. So virtual meetings, we needed to figure out how to host accessible and inclusive virtual meetings, um, especially in light of the COVID-19 pandemic. We expanded our partnership list. Um, We realized that there were organizations and communities and neighborhoods that we, you know, weren't calling, that we were connecting with, but hadn't called out in our public participation plan. And then the other big update is that we have specific outlines for the different plans and projects of the Lehigh Valley Transportation Study and exactly what those public participation, you know, requirements for those plans and projects are so that folks have a, you know, a clear understanding from the get-go that, okay, when we're going to update a transportation improvement program, this is how you can get involved. Matt, use the website, right, in these efforts? Yes, we use the website a lot. It's become an increasingly part, a big part of what we do. Uh, it's a great place to put all the newest data and analysis. Our data LV section gets a ton of page views. It's also a great place to share with people how to take part in the meetings, you know, whether they be virtual or in person. So it works as a, a really good bulletin board and sounding. So it's, it's a give and a take. We, 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 we give them information and they kind of give us the, 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 the ear of the community. You know, those who frequent the website know it looks a little different. That's because we are transitioning to a new website and post. So it's going to take a little bit of time and it's going to look a little strange for a while for the next several months while we kind of bring it fully operational. But but we also know that the website cannot be our only vehicle. You know, we, we have to we have to do things in person. We have to put all of the most important plans and analyses, they have to also be in physical copies. So we have to put those at libraries around the, around the Lehigh Valley and then other buildings where people can get to them. You know, we have to do things on bus lines. We have to be as accessible as possible. So while the, the website is really important, and it's become bigger and bigger. We Maybe do. we'll see something in French coming up. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? Who I don't knows? Know, but, you know, Glendon is our primary audience, but certainly they are part of our Jill, were you surprised by some of the data you collected while you put together the limited English proficiency plan? I was pretty taken by just the sheer population in our region that speak a language other than English. It's over 128,000 people, which is about 20% of residents in the region. And there's not a single language or language category the census reports on that we don't have over 300 people that speak it. Comparatively, we're just about even with the nation's rate of 21% of the population speaking another language. But compared to Pennsylvania as a whole, 
only about 11% of our state's population speaks another language. So I think our region's multiculturalism is really a point of pride for us. But out of those, out of our 128,000 people that do speak another language, 43% of them identify that they do not speak English very well. In our analysis, that's described as limited English proficiency. And so that's over 55,000 people in our region that face a language barrier when it comes to accessing educational opportunities, jobs, uh, and navigating their daily needs in the community. And I also think while many people usually think of our cities as the places where other languages are most often spoken, 27% of all Lehigh Valley municipalities are designated as uh, what's considered high LEP communities, which means more than 5% of their populations are limited in English proficiency. So do you have some sense of, of the numbers and how they've changed over time, say past the past 10 years? Are we... Is there one group of people that are uh, oh, more prevalent in the area that we need to address their needs quicker, faster, well, and better? Sure, yeah. Well, overall, our region has seen a 12% increase in residents that do speak a language other than English. And that's understandable. And we know that um, our Hispanic and Latinx community has really been the region's fastest growing population segment over even the past several decades and Spanish is our region's number one most spoken language other than English. However, some other um, really quickly growing language populations we've seen include Chinese, other Asian languages like uh, Pacific Islander languages like Tagalog. The French, Haitian, and Cajun languages are also increasing su substantially as well. We've also found that there's been a 43% increase in linguistically isolated households in that same time frame. Today, over 13,500 households in the Lehigh Valley are considered linguistically isolated. So even as our region is increasing in diversity and people that do speak other languages, at an even quicker rate is a growth of the population that isn't able to speak English very well. We have such a, a good, diverse community here. There's a lot of reasons to be here. What are they? I think we see that, and, and it's unrelated to these plans, but we see that certainly in our population forecasts. And when you look at the Lehigh Valley, and I have not analyzed every county in Pennsylvania, but I think you'd be hard pressed to find another region that has grown as consistently and as quickly as the Lehigh Valley. I mean, we very consistently in every 10 year span gained 40,000 people, you know, and we've been doing that since, you know, World War II. Well, Matt, and I think we do that because we have a high quality of life. It's a good place to live. And it is a good place to live. You know, we have a high quality of life. We also have a good location. And I, I just think that folks, you know, there is work here and there's a good business community and there there's good education and healthcare. So it, it's, we, we pretty much have everything. We have the best of all worlds without having sort of the hustle and bustle and having to be in the city. And I'm sure that people are always interested in, in learning more about the community, which makes me uh, ask the question, how does the Planning Commission and LVTS use the data for the plans it creates? Well, we always start from a, a place of fact-based optimism. That's, you know, one of the pillars of our community. And I think that's important. And I think Jill can offer some more insight into that, too, since you've been working on that. 
you authored one of the nation's first equity analysis, you know, certainly the first in the Lehigh Valley. Can you talk a little bit about the statistics? Oh, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, the Lehigh Valley equity analysis provides a lot of information and that's both to us as LVPC and all the work that we do, but also to our community partners and municipalities. But one thing in particular that we use the analysis for is to identify some of the racial disparities in access to opportunities and in life outcomes. Recently, we found a person of color in the Lehigh Valley is three times less likely to graduate from high school. Um, they're half as likely to own their home and more than twice as likely to live in poverty compared to uh, someone who's white in the Lehigh Valley. And then a person who is Hispanic or Latinx is also nearly four times as likely to live in poverty compared to a white person. Um, recently, also as part of our long-range transportation plan process, we significantly expanded our equity analysis to align with data from the federal government's Justice 40 mandate, directing at least 40% of transportation investment dollars into communities that are identified as disadvantaged through that analysis. So through the expanded analysis, we also found that air quality impacts resulting from vehicle emissions are exacerbated in communities that include lower income and communities of color, where 12% of people of color and 15% of those who identify as Hispanic or Latinx suffer from asthma compared to only one and a half percent of people who identify as white alone. We really believe that equity is achieved when race or ethnicity can no longer be a predictor of one's life outcomes. So all of the work we do to engage our communities through the public participation plan and the limited English proficiency plan is just one of the ways we're working towards reducing those barriers to participation as well as their disparities in their life outcomes. Becky, you've been in the public sector planning business for more than two decades. How has public accessibility changed over that time? Many, many ways. I think over, I would say, you know, the especially in the last five or so years, I think the world has just substantially changed, especially around the COVID-19 pandemic. But people have been working for decades and decades and decades at, from the, through the civil rights movement and, you know, working towards women's rights and, and other things to really bring more knowledge and information about our communities and the people who occupy them, as well as how to make them more fair and more equitable. And I think really over the last five or so years, it's gone away from this idea of a steering committee and people sitting way up on a dais, just being the only ones that have any knowledge and, you know, folks like myself being, you know, down at the table trying to interpret the, the people sitting behind me from the public and the people on the dais and putting all of that together and trying to bring that balance to now everyone sitting at the same level at the same table and that our job as planners has evolved in a way where we're not, it's not from one group of people in just the position of power and other folks fighting for time at the mic and us as planners in the middle trying to make it all work. I think now we're in a place where everyone is sitting at the table saying we are acknowledging that we have these issues. And if we really are serious about change, we have to roll up our sleeves and do the hard work to make the change. And the only way to do that is with everyone. 
And so I think there's a greater sense of collective responsibility and obligation to making better communities. And so as a planner, our, you know, my role has changed and my entire profession's role has changed definitely for the better. And I think that's because we've all advocated for that and we push for that because we've seen the net outcome of not being inclusive and not working towards equitable communities with the folks that have experienced the inequity. And again, we're working towards, as Jill said, making sure that your life outcome isn't determined by the color of your skin, your income, all of these hosts of factors that she went over. And there's even more, you know, that she's been working on. And so the only way we can do that is to acknowledge that the path forward is with everyone, but you have to work at inviting people to the table too. And I think that's another thing that's changed substantially. And then that's where Hannah's work really has, has, has come in. So Hannah, really what we're talking about is we have all these statistics and information and to bring it full circle, what you're really trying to do is just get all this valuable information into more diverse communities, right? I would say we want to get it to every community. I think acknowledging that our communities of color, low-income communities are a part of our community and not separate, right? That we want it to go to the holy high valley. And by holy high valley, we mean holy high valley, right? And it's also, we're, so it's helpful that to to get all this information out we want people to understand what we're working on how we operate and we also want feedback right like that's the point of a public comment process is to get public comments and so we're really hoping that folks can take a look at these plans and give us their insight and and maybe make a suggestion on something that we hadn't thought of because we're, we're people not robots and so you know there may be something we've missed we do this every day. And so, you know, it, it's important to get other perspectives. So this is open. The public participation plan and the limited English proficiency plan are both out for public comment now through the 10th of February. Folks can take a look at these plans at one of the three city libraries. They're also at our office here at the LBPC. It's at the office of PennDOT District 5 uh, and the Lanta office. You can make public comments online. You can send us an email at planning at lvpc.org. You can give us a call at 610-264-4544. The online comment box is tinyurl.com slash P, the letter P, the number four, A, comments. You can look at the plans online. They each have their own tiny URL. So the limited English proficiency plan you can look at it, tinyurl.com slash LVTSLEP. And the public participation plan is available at tinyurl.com slash LVTSPPP. Terrific. Any final comments? I guess I would just reiterate that all this work that we do and that we've been talking about today really is like the underpinning of all the work that we do. So in all of our planning processes, it starts with, that data collection, looking at the facts, looking at all the population segments, and then as part of the process, also engaging with our communities 
to make sure that the information is reaching them in the best way it possibly can. And so this is really something that's baked into everything that we do. It's not just a standalone effort that's a one and done. Okay. Everybody's invited. And with that, we're out of time. I'd like to thank the Lehigh Valley Planning Commission, of course, Becky and Matt, and Jill and Hannah, thank you very much for joining us this evening. Once thank again, you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, bet. Yeah, good to have you. Once again, you've been listening to Plan Lehigh Valley on WDIY 88.1 FM, streaming and archived on the WDIY app and website at WDIY.org. I'm your host, Greg Caponia. Thank you for listening, and have a great evening. If you enjoyed this program, please go to WDIY.org or the WDIY app to share or become a WDIY member.